Welcome to the Gem Series, powered by Rocket Level. On this podcast, we empower entrepreneurs to succeed by setting big goals, executing like a pro, and having a fearless mindset. The Gem Series is all about investing in yourself. We're here to share the path to getting what you want out of life by sharing the stories of entrepreneurs who have done this themselves, providing thorough research from our team on what careers and habits are yielding the best results, and discussing the mindset it takes to overcome the obstacles that all future entrepreneurs will face. Investing in yourself starts with putting in the work every single day, and this podcast is here to help you do exactly that. My name is Blake Chapman. I'm the Vice President of the Ambassador Program here at Rocket Level, and I am thrilled to be your host for the Gem Series. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Gem Series. I am honored to welcome John to the podcast. John, how are you doing today? <laughs> hey, doing great. Thanks for having me, Blake. You know, I, uh, I've been digging into uh, everything that you've been doing, and I got to say, I think it's, uh, it's, it's such an incredible story that I, uh, you know, I, was, I was just so excited to get to share this with our guests. Um, if you if you wouldn't mind, would you mind sharing just a little bit about yourself, uh, so that for people that haven't heard about you before, they can uh, you know get a little a little spiel from you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Josh Tanderode. I run a a coaching program where we help people become uh, profitable freelance recruiters. And most people don't have prior recruiting experience, uh, and you know we generally help them get launched, up and running, pick a niche, and make their first like twenty k in 90 days, right? While holding their part-time job. So they can do this on the side while, you know, without quitting their job right away. So that's kind of what we do. And, and, you know, you, you came from the recruiting world initially before kind of arriving, uh, where you, where you're at currently, right? Yeah. So I actually got, uh, fell into recruiting like most people do, like nobody like majors in recruiting, right? They just kind of fall into it. I actually walked into a staffing firm looking for a job and they end up recruiting me to work for them. And that's how I got started. Um, and, and then I kind of kept moving to more boutique uh, firms because, uh, you know, the way that uh, people might not know this, but the way that most recruiting agencies make their money is they'll charge their clients or companies uh, like 20% or more of the candidate's first year base salary. So that's why I wanted to keep moving to like more technical firms, firms where we're placing 100K, 150, 200K salaried employees because then we, you know, the, the agency would make 20% of that, right? So they'd be at like 20 to $40,000 a pop for every hire. And as a recruiter working there, I would get a percentage of that, right? A small percentage. Sure. Um, and then one day uh, I just got laid off. Uh, I remember that day I walked in on a Monday. They said, hey, bad news. We're laying off the entire division, including you. And I'm like, well, shoot. Um, and then I'm like, can I at least call my clients to like break the bad news? They're like, no, no, we'll, we'll call them for you. But so like on the way home, I actually stopped by a bar, have a, had a couple of drinks to like lick my wounds and uh, wounds sure. and suck a little bit. But then I'm like, you know, forget like I, I have their cell. I just called them on a cell phone. And I said, hey, sorry, uh, I got laid off. My whole division did. I won't be able to send you any more candidates. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, because uh, I, I wish I would be able to say, you know what, like I had the guts that the moment they laid me off, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm off to my own. I'm, I'm, I'm going to branch on my own, pick, take with me all the best people and start my own, like pull Jerry Maguire, right? That's yep. not what happened at all. What happened was I was like sad, depressed, you know, what to do next. But then what happened next was kind of crazy where my top two clients, they both said, well, John, well, that's bad news, but like, why don't you go do your own thing. Why don't you become a freelancer and a freelance recruiter and we'll sign with you. So I'm like, oh, wow. And it was because of their encouragement that gave me the boost and confidence to actually 
step out and branch out on my own. So it kind of the the getting laid off was the push I needed to even explore this and the encouragement from my clients who like liked me, believed in me. So it's really yeah, so I really remember how important it was to have that outside support to like even give us a shot. And so yeah. I thought to myself, you know what, I'm getting some unemployment money coming in. I'll let, I'll give it 90 days, see if I can even make something happen. And sure enough, you know, it worked and then all of a sudden like I was doing the exact same job I did before, except this one I was doing under my own like umbrella. And the moment I made my first deal, I was like, holy cow, this is like, it was like a $16,000 play. Uh, I still remember $16,000 fee. And I, I kept all of it myself. I'm like, wait, I don't have to t- give most of this to the house, to the agency, right? Like I can keep all of this. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, thank you. And when I ran to that boss years later, I, I thanked him. I'm like, thank you for, for, for laying me off. I would never have started my own agency. I make way more money now. I have way more fun and flexibility and freedom. Thank you. Thank you. And she's like, okay, like this guy's yeah, crazy right, weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was at the bar. So I was a little tipsy. I'm like, thank you so much for letting me off. And they're like, okay. Um, that's pretty funny. <laughs> no, I think it's remarkable though, being able to, um, you know, be faced with a scenario like that. And then, you know, it's, uh, it's, I, it's just so fascinating to me how um, humans have this, desire in them to want to see uh, people that they like thrive, you know, we're, yeah. we're just drawn to that. So all those people that you helped out, it's, uh, it's so cool that, uh, that they reached out and were like, and just give this a shot, you know, uh, give, try, try freelance for just a little bit. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. And then, um, and, and by the way, what ended up happening, like kind of how it went from recruiting to coaching was that uh, I didn't plan to do that either. It, it was, uh, I think, Right after I sold my agency, I was wondering what to do next. And a couple of my old coworkers from the firm that I got laid off from had reached out to me and said, Hey, John, like my manager just changed my commission structure. I'm really pissed. Or like, you know, they had some grievances with their corporate job. And they're like, you know, I think I'm ready to try to make it out on my own. I I heard you're doing well. Can you give me some pointers? And so I'm like, I'd be happy to. And and so as I started giving them some tips and kind of give them the process I kind of created for myself. Um, through trial and error, because at the time, like 10 years ago, there were no coaches or mentors or programs to help people start their own business and recruiting. It's a very niche thing, right? And so when I kind of gave them my playbook, I saw them get clients and make recruiting deals replacements super fast. Like, what took me years to like figure out, like they just did it in weeks. I'm like, I was so happy for them. And then yeah. I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll just kind of keep doing this for a little while. And this kind of one-on-one coaching thing ended up turning into kind of a full-blown program where we now have a team of coaches, daily coaching calls. And I think we put like over 300 people through a program now. Um, and it's, it's been really satisfying to see like people just quit their full-time jobs and like have the freedom and like escape in an environment where they feel like they were stuck for so long yeah. and actually like did this. And they all did it kind of part-time. So they didn't, they didn't have to like risk it all. They could just do it on the side. Right. And now with automation and all the tools that the market that, that I've learned that I would teach, like they don't have to do it manually. They can just set and forget it too right so it's really nice and um really happy with everything so far so cool that uh you got to align with your with your passion a bit more too you know it's uh it's it's one of those things i think those uh, existential type of questions which is there's just so many people out there that are um yeah just maybe hoping that they can they can align their passion with the work that they're doing because i mean we're gonna we spend a significant amount of our life doing it uh so it's 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 so important um, yeah, you know, and whenever you were talking about that kind of 90 day period, it kind of reminded me, it's, it's funny. I, an exercise I do with some of my employees 
uh, whenever they're really needing to build pipeline and make something happen. I'm like, I'm like, look, just pretend this is your business. You just started it. You have 90 days or you don't get to do it anymore. What are you going to do? And I think it's amazing that you were kind of faced with that, that actual scenario. So tell me, what was it like building the, you know, building, doing the groundwork and figuring out your playbook and all of that kind of stuff? Uh, oh, um, yeah. You know, I, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't like scared. I had all this huge like, imposter syndrome, uh, both with like starting my own recruiting business and like eventually the, the coaching piece of it is that like at first, like I was like, hey, why would a big company, uh, a large or why would a hiring manager, a VP or director level hiring manager choose to hire me, like little me, a one person shop when they could work with the Randstads or the Nelsons um, or the Robert Halfs or the world. These are large multi you know, million dollar uh, staffing companies that have all these resources. Right. Why would they work with me? And it wasn't until I've realized that at the end of the day, the hiring manager only cares about one thing, which is like, do you have a good candidate for me? So if you can just bring a good candidate to the table when you talk to them, they're like, okay, so they don't care who you are. Like at the end of the day, I realized they don't care my name, the name of my business, my logo, like all they care about was, can I deliver them a good candidate um, to help them solve their hiring pain? And when I figured that out, that's where kind of the fear and the imposter syndrome kind of started to melt away. And then, you know, years later, when I started launching the coaching program, same thing, I was like, do people even want this? Like I figured this out, like, took me a few years, but I, I figured it out myself. Do people even want coaching or help with this? And then it's sure. So that same thing. Right. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's the thing too, is I think people don't realize that uh, businesses are starting to desire uh, to partner directly with more of these, uh, you know, boutique type of uh, type of folks anyways, because guess what, guess what they have above all of these massive entities, they have, uh, you know, autonomy, the ability, agility, the ability to, uh, you know, really custom tailor a solution to somebody without any of the kind of like typical bureaucracy uh, that you might run into whenever partnering with uh, an organization like that. So I'm sure you've, I don't know, you might have experienced that firsthand too. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I th it's funny, like I hear that more now from our program members or even people who are potentially interested in doing this or freelance recruiting or, or getting help with is that they're like, well, I don't have a degree. I don't have um, any experience in recruiting. Can I still do this? Right. And uh, it turns out it's funny, like we, we actually recently ran a report and found, we found out like over 70% of all the people we've helped don't have a recruiting background. What they do have is like they have an industry experience. They work for X number of years in IT or healthcare or product management or something very specific. And they're like, well, I could probably help hiring managers find people like me better than a general generalist recruiter can because they're not a practitioner in my field, right? Or typically it's frustration. They're like, wait, I had I talked to this kind of like annoying newbie, a recruiter who just like forwarded my resume to the client. I got hired and that guy just made 20% of my salary just by forwarding my resume. And he barely kind of understood what I did. He kind of was like checking off keywords like off checking the checking boxes, but I know better than him. So I could probably do his job way better. So that's what I think inspires a lot of people to do this. And I think also like a lot of times people will kind of say, Hey, like I'm, I'm a people, people person. I, I like to connect with people. I like to help people. So they're like, I'm always helping people get jobs. Like I have a pretty good network because I've been doing my thing, whatever I do for a number of years. And so I tend to like help people land jobs and make connections. And then one lady, it's just funny. I won't forget. She said, her friend told her, like, hey, are you used to making $20,000 favors for people? And she's like, huh? She's like, yeah, that's what 
companies pay like freelance recruiters like 20% of a salary or 20K typically yeah. for exactly what you just did. And when she realized she was like leaving money on the table, she's like, oh, you know, I could have been charging money for this. That's when she's like, you know what, let me just turn this to a business and yeah. get paid for helping people find jobs or helping companies find talent. Man, and I, I, I just think it's incredible that, uh, that, you know, the service that you've been providing to these people. So what was your, yeah, what was your mindset like? Because I know you talked a little bit about imposter syndrome. I, I've dealt with the exact same thing too, you know, and how, yeah, how did you navigate that? And, uh, you know, I mean, or how do you, how, how, how could anybody else navigate it if they were in that kind of situation? Uh, yeah. So what I, um, the way I had to like break it down was I, at my first initial goal is, Hey, I'm going to become this big, you know, guru and, and have a huge following and, and be hugely successful. And then, then that just kind of like scared me. Like, oh, it was like, all that was a lot of pressure. So I'm like, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to help one or two people for free. Right. And, and then, and that's what I did. I said, I just helped help my friends for free. I said, Hey, by the way, if, if this works and, 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 and you get results, like, would you mind giving me like a little, you know, testimonial thing? And they're like, sure. So my first batch of people were just for free pro bono, but I got some case studies and then just having those on my like, website, on my LinkedIn profile, like, you know, I started having a little more confidence because then I could be like, oh yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I helped these three people check out, check out my website. And then, then the next batch of people, I'm like, you know, what? I'm, let me charge the minimal amount that they'd be willing to pay, right? Um, and then, uh, and then just kind of grew from there. So I just kind of broke it down to like help people for free, help people for like almost nothing, and help people for a little bit more than nothing. And as I got more confident and I iterate the process um, and learn more from people directly, like it's funny, like a lot of people to try to do this is that they'll try to build everything first and like do the whole, if you build it, they will come. And so, and I made, so I made that mistake. Actually, I built, I spent like six months building the whole program, made beautiful videos with like slides and animations. Yeah. Cause I wanted, cause I think my imposter syndrome made me feel insecure that like, if this is not a beautiful product, beautiful program, um, it would, it's not good enough. Right. And, uh, and what ended up happening was, um, I, didn't have anything with sales. It was mostly recruiting. I thought people want to learn recruiting. And then it turns out that everyone that we worked with want to learn sales. They're like, oh, like I, I can, recruiting seems pretty straightforward, offering people um, jobs, giving, sending them the job description. It's the sales part. How do I get, pro, how do I prospect for potential clients? How do I jump on the call with a director or VP level hiring manager and like have that call go well and end with a signed agreement that they'll pay me if, if I find them the right person, like that part was the most biggest challenge. But for me, I wasn't, I totally was not aware of that because I had a sales background. So I'm like, okay, sales is easy. Like they're not going to want to learn this. Everyone knows sales. And so, um, like, you know, my advice for people who are about to launch anything really is to like, try not to make an assumption from your lens or your shoes because you never know. So it's best to, you know, kind of run lean, right? That's why they had like the lean startup where you have the minimum viable thing and you just talk to people and they'll tell you what they need. And then you can start building, build a version two, version three, based on exactly what people tell you they need. And so had I done that from day one, I would have saved a lot of time. So that was my version 1.0. And so, and a 2.0 was a better version based on their needs, but we added automation. So then, because I remember one day, this is kind of an interesting story too, is that, uh, it was a day I, I I had the first person ask me for a refund, right? I was like, I was able to brag for a long time. No one's ever asked for a refund. We I work really hard for people. I'll give them good service. But one guy's name was Ryan asked me for a refund. And 
And he goes, hey, Joe, I did, I did everything you told me to. It's just, I just didn't have enough time in the day. I have a full-time job. It's demanding. I have three kids and a wife. And like, can I have a refund? And I, so I'm like, like sure. I felt like, oh, like I let him down. It was, it was a sting to like, just give back the money. Cause I needed that to like do, you know, for the business costs. And then, um, then I thought to myself, you know what? Like, and I did, I took total accountability and this might be related to like the M in your gem, the mindset. I'm like, you know yeah. what? Let me, let me reframe this mindset. I'm like, you know what? If I were to take full ownership, how did I let him down? How, how did I not make this work for him? And when I kind of thought about that, like, you know what? He said he didn't have enough time in the day to do like it because things work when I was able to carve out time, but I just couldn't consistently carve out, carve out enough time to do this part time. So I'm like, oh, I didn't make it easy enough for him. So I like paused enrollment for like a while, took the hit financially. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to enroll any more people until I fix this. And I just put on my product hat on and uh, hired coaches who were like, because um, I really, I need automation. I need things to be more on autopilot because people don't have hours and hours per day like I did. Because when, when I ran my recruiting agency, I was doing it full time. So I did like four to five hours of business development, handwriting messages on LinkedIn, email, cold calling, leaving voicemails. I had the time to do that. So that volume, that sheer volume and effort move the needle, but most people don't do that, especially if they have a full-time job and a life. So what I did was I hired uh, coaches from outside of recruiting. Like I hired a LinkedIn automation coach. I hired a mentor for who's really good with email marketing. I hired I recently hired a guy that did uh, AI video messaging strategy, things that were kind of cutting edge in the world of marketing that yeah. wasn't at all related to recruiting because recruiting is an age old, like timeless industry that hasn't quite really evolved much. And so I brought those tools into recruiting. I tested it myself and then did a 2.0. And the moment we offered automation, like all the results skyrocketed. Oh, like, I'm sure. This is this is easy. I just like, I took the message I was writing by hand that you told me, Joe, I put it into the automation and just, it ran at scale, high volume. And every day I get three, four, five people replying back like, hey, I'm interested, tell me more. And all I do is talk to warmly. That's just, this is way easier. And then now we're in the 3.0 uh, version that has more of the AI videos, things that like are even pushing because then because you know, recruiting is great. It's high margin. Yeah. It's low. It's low cost to start up. Um, you don't. It's easy to join, but uh, it's easy to do. There's a low barrier to entry, but it's very competitive because of the low barrier to entry. So now with like the AI video things that we're doing to help stand out from the crowd, right? That becomes even more important. I think for most industries that are competitive. Makes me, yeah. So a, a few things, you know, one at the very beginning, I agree. Case studies are always so much more powerful than uh, rented Ferrari bills, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like hit the ground running, talk to your people and get those case studies. Um, two, the reason that I, I think, uh, you know, because I have had the same tendency as well. It really sparked something when you said that about really wanting to make everything perfect. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, these people that go out and, uh, you know, really master sales, you look at their presentations. And I mean, it's like a, it's literally like a white slide with black text on it. And it just has the impact right there. And the reason that they're able to do that is they're going out and they're just talking to people all the time and they're actually learning, you know? Um, yeah. And I've, uh, you know, I've, I've dealt with uh, the, the refund thing too. And I think that's so powerful. That's, that is such a good mindset shift is, you know, that is, that is the perfect opportunity to take insights from somebody that, um, you know, wanted to get the results that you, you envisioned for them, but you know, something didn't quite align and it, you know, 
the best thing you can do, yeah, you're right. Just take full ownership and then use that as a strength, you know, uh, yeah. and lean into that. I'm really curious about the, um, I started playing around with some AI video too. What, what are you using for that? Right yeah, now. so uh, well, actually, one of my alumni from the program, his name is Ashwin. He created a program called Doplio, and it um, allows you to because so here's like one of our like strategies that we found most effective is that when because I, I kind of share with you like our main approach that we teach people for client acquisition is to run LinkedIn automation, run email automation, which is because all hiring managers are on LinkedIn or email or and both, right? And it kind of cast a wide net. And we find having a solid written message. We have different templates that are proven to work that you know, I've, they're all my stuff I've used for my agency, right? And so you use a written message to set at scale. But the moment someone replies back, I'm interested, we found the best way to reply back is through a either a video or at least an audio message because that's so, so much more human and creates such a better connection like we're on video now, right? Yeah. Um, and on a video, like they can record like a Loom video where they share the, the background, share the screen of that person's LinkedIn profile and they can say, hey, uh, I'm reaching out to you because uh, I figured a video would be easier than you reading a wall of text. But I saw on your LinkedIn profile, I just call out one or two things that jumped out, something nice about them. Like you can, you know, flattery always works. And then you can tab over to their company page and say, hey, uh, and I'm reaching out because uh, I saw on your company, you guys offer this and you were voted five, top five places to work in Seattle. That's impressive, right? Something also nice. And I'll show them that you did your due diligence too, right? It's not just a high volume type of thing you do. And then you can tab onto their careers page. And I said, I also know that you're hiring for a blank, right? And, okay. and by the way, like this yeah. is exactly, this is all we do. We specialize in this niche. And based on those requirements, I actually have someone in mind that could be a great fit if you're interested, be happy to float their profile over your way. Let me know if that would be of any interest to you. Thanks, bye, right? And you just send that video. And by the way, you, you rename the video like, hey, Blake. Yeah. Right? So it has their name on it. And the animated thumbnail GIF is like you actually on their LinkedIn profile. So that has like 100% open rate because totally. like, hey, who's this guy? And why, why are they on my LinkedIn profile? What are they saying about me, right? Now, of course, like that takes a lot of time. So then the AI video technology allows you to basically do that. but um, like the main thing is having their name in the video, right? Because I also the video they're like, hey, first name, hey Blake, hey Bob, hey Jennifer. Yep. But that way, they, that way they feel like it's for them. But I'm like, okay, is there a way that I can like do this at scale? Because most people say then they say I, I don't have enough time in the day to send videos. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go again. The, the time constraint. So the AI video technology basically allows me to create one template, and then it can capture those screenshots of their LinkedIn profile, their company page, their job page. And then have the word, have the first name come out of my mouth, right? Um, in my own voice by giving them a voice sample and AI can spit out. So is it exact? Did I really make it just for them? No, but it does it look and sound exactly as if I would have? Like, yes. Yeah. Right. And so it's okay. a way to kind of mimic that. And I thought, okay, for sure, people are going to be like, hey, is this thing authentic or is this some, tr uh, some AI trickery? But nobody ever like asked, like, hey, thanks. For this is awesome. Thank you. And they just, so the the call the response to call ratio book call ratio is very high for that right but that's also and that's something that like you would never learn how to do at a recruiting job because like no one does that right or let alone automation is never taught to recruit. i mean that's just that's just hacking it and figuring it out you know like that's just yeah like man i need some like i need to uh find my time multipliers so are you going into like linkedin and um 
utilizing the the job listings and then running automations to target like job listings. Exactly. Out. Yeah, exactly. You see, you go on LinkedIn or Indeed, see who's posting a job in your area, in your field. And then basically you can hire like a virtual assistant to go and just yeah. like capture like the uh, find them, find their LinkedIn profile, find their company page and like capture it all. So basically what you do a couple of times, you can just hire someone for a few bucks an hour. Uh, a virtual an overseas virtual assistant who's very good that can just do this for you. So ideally, you don't even do anything. You record one template and it's all done for you. But this is like advanced stuff that like I recommend to people like step one, uh, have everything be on the uh, automation with a written message, right? Just standard written message. Do that for 30 days and then you have like a control uh, data. You know, based on this, you expect to have one or two uh, meetings per week booked. Now you have this control group. Let's try to beat, kind of apply the scientific method. Now can I, can my AI video message strategy beat my control group? Yes, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Because if you are awkward, shy in video, you just don't like being on camera, mm -hmm. like, okay, listen, you're better off just using the written message, right? Like, But yeah. if you like being on camera and you enjoy it and you're, you have this charisma that oozes, then sure, then you probably will beat the control group. And so worst case, you can always fall back to your written message. So this is getting kind of advanced in the weed stuff, but it is like, I, I do love what you mentioned, the time multiplier, because when you have a demanding career and a family and a life and you want to sleep, then, and where you have children, like all these things that um, it's it's hard to do as much as you want to do in a day, unless you are able to you know, work smart, not just mm -hmm. work hard, right? Absolutely. You know, um, I, I had a really great conversation just a couple of days ago with uh, a gentleman uh, Ernie Svensson, he goes, Ernie, the attorney. And uh, what he does is he automates um, processes for law firms and shows them how to uh, get some time back so that they can run a, their small firm um, with far more autonomy. Uh, being an attorney is a very taxing career. I'm sure most people can can guess, you know, and uh, that was one of the things that, that really stuck out to me is the 80-20 principle and how he he explains that, right? The ability to um, you know, let's say you have a <laughs> hundred uh, units of of energy available, right? How do you yeah. leverage twenty units to get an eighty percent return? And yep. uh, you know that uh, you know that really struck a chord with me. Um, something not to switch gears, but I just want to make sure I don't forget to ask you about this too. I I, I got to ask: Have you always been this curious? Because it seems like. You're constantly, and I really admire that, constantly, uh, you know, trying to figure, problem solve and figure out the next thing. Um, yeah. Have, have you always been like that or uh, is that something you developed over time? Or? Yeah, I think it's probably from like, yeah, my my incessant need that like I can always do better. I mean, I had a very strict parents, right? So it's like, okay, I, they're always like, okay, I can always do better. There's always more I can do, which is a double-edged sword, right? Because then it, it's a lot of times I'm not as satisfied or content as I, I rarely feel long moments of feeling content. I'm always like, wait, there's always something better. But usually it comes from um, the clients in the program where like when I start hearing things that like they're saying, hey, this isn't quite working as well as it used to, like I take that personally, right? I, I feel personally responsible for everyone's success because they, they invested their time, their money into the program and I, I want to give them the best. And I always feel like if there's like whenever someone has like a complaint, like, hey, my messaging thing isn't working or this or that, or I'm, I'm running out of time in the day to get everything done. I'm thinking, you know, I bet you somebody has a better mousetraps. This, yeah. someone else has already solved for this. So let me go out and find that solution for them, right? So when th the first guy said, hey, I don't have enough time, that got me to get automation. When people said, hey, 
I feel like everyone's doing LinkedIn automation that got me to innovate to video. Now uh, we're about to roll out our 4.0 version of the program, which is uh, basically the people spend like the first three or four weeks. It's very common to like do like administrative stuff, like build their website, their logo, integrate a calendar booking thing. And that's all great. It feels it's, a, it's such a big trap because it feels productive. But at the end of the day, it doesn't move the needle forward because they're not getting any clients. Right. Like working on the, on the contracts and this. And so we're like, OK. And when I keep hearing that, like, oh, hey, you know, we haven't I haven't gotten results yet. It's been two months. And I realized I spent the first month just doing admin stuff. We're like, OK, how can we make this even faster? So in January, we're launching a uh, basically an all in one platform where we'll have a recruiting business uh, out of the box that we'll build for people that will have all the integrations, have all the automations, the sequences, all the, the scripts pre-built. So it's like literally all you have to do is by the end of our onboarding call, you'll know your niche, you'll have the all, all the systems set up. We'll just put it, you know, we'll launch it for you and you're off and running. Like So that way people can get launched within like 48 hours and not two months. So that's kind yeah. of the next thing. Because whenever I see people complain or like seeing people struggle, I'm like, I feel like I'm, it's my job and it is my job to help them solve their struggles. So that's kind of why my I do that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. My only concern is you might be making it too easy for them, you know? <laughs> well, at the, at the end of the day, you know, recruiting is a people, uh, people, person's job, right? It's all about people, right? And so at the end of the day, they still have to like talk to the hiring manager, talk to a candidate. And so I want them to spend most of their time having those good conversations that lead to them, you know, finding great talent for their clients and less time doing manual outreach or less time doing that. So if I can solve for that, at least I can have them spend most of the time doing the 80, 20 thing. Right. And that 20% that gets 80% results we found is just having more and more calls, at least three to five calls every week with prospective clients, hiring managers who need help hiring good talent and you know you're and you know it's funny like one of the things that jumped out at me when you mentioned the 80 20 rule is like one of the big things that we do is like we help people uh pick a niche right mm -hmm. we have a niche discovery process to hone an exact niche on what they should recruit on based on their specific background interests, passions and what the market's looking so we have this whole process um and then we're like okay once you have a niche stick with it because yeah. in the then give it some time then let's say fast forward a few months they have five clients they're all looking, they're all in the same niche. Let's say it's like cybersecurity engineer, for example. Then when you have uh, when you have a niche, and this probably applies to even outside of recruiting, but when you have a niche in recruiting and you have five companies all looking for the same, let's say, cybersecurity analyst, then you can take that one candidate that you find who's a rock star and then submit them to all five clients and get them interviewing for all five of your clients, right? Yep. Now, then ideally you find two or three more of those people, have them all interview with all five clients. Now your odds of getting one or all of them hired is very, very high. And at the end of the day, you don't really care which company, which which client hires each candidate because you'll get paid regardless. And so, yes. but, and that's like the working smart, not hard, right? Like having all the clients in the same niche is that 20% that gets you 80% of your 20K fees versus having like three or four different clients all in different verticals. One guy's one's, one's hiring a salesperson, one's hiring an engineer, one's hiring a bookkeeper, an accountant. And now you're just like spinning your wheels. It feels good because you're busy, but you're actually not leveraged, right? Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, that can, and that's just a, that's just a mess. I mean, I'd much prefer to be able to work, uh, do the system that you just, uh, just recommended. Also just from a sales perspective, I mean, creates scarcity 
and yep. uh, absolutely would increase that urgency for somebody to, to make a decision. You know, if you've got a talented guy and he's going to five companies, they're going to be like, Hey, this is a guy, we're a good guy. We got to jump on it. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And ideally you want to make sure they're all your companies. Cause in the, it's funny. A lot of times you'll talk to somebody or like we help people. Um, we specialize in helping people find passive candidates, right? People who are not actively on a, uh, looking for a job. Cause those people tend to be, you know, like if, if they're unemployed on the couch, sending the resume to every job out there, they're probably not like the premium level candidate that your clients would expect, right? Because they're, you know, you're charging them a premium fee, so they expect a premium level person. So then we help people target passive candidates, people who are not looking, who are heads down, sometimes working for a competitor of, of your client. And basically our job is like poach them, like just quietly engage with them, convince them to even take a call with a recruiter and then convince them to like be curious enough to even explore an initial uh, interview with your client, right? Um, in any case, like because of that, like, you get a lot, you get results a lot easier. All right. Yeah. So that way, um, yeah. So that's another thing about doing that's that. A great, that's a really great tip. What's one of the most interesting ways you've ever had to poach a candidate? I'm curious. Uh, if you um, yeah, sure. Well, um, so a number of you have probably seen the words rocket level <laughs> thrown around a little bit here and there. And I wanted to take a moment just to explain what that is. So the gym series comes from Rocket Level, uh, who is somebody that I work with directly. And Rocket Level is a marketing technology company that specializes in meeting the unique needs of small and medium-sized businesses. So over the years, through strategic collaborations with national brands, franchise groups, and local partners, Rocket Level has become a trusted ally for SMBs operating in the market. And right now, Rocket Level's primary focus is to provide a comprehensive range of marketing solutions for SMBs, including website development, SEO, paid ads, email marketing, social media management, and just about anything you can think of. By offering a done-for-you approach, Rocket Level takes care of all aspects of digital marketing, allowing SMBs to focus on their core business operations. I know that everybody talks about this all the time. It's so hard to focus on the fulfillment side of things and been an absolute honor getting to partner with Rocket Level throughout the years and be able to see them provide a solution for people that maybe don't, don't have the talent right now, maybe don't have the time and maybe don't have the playbook or the tools available. It truly is buttoned up in such a way that you can give somebody your high level objectives and get this stuff knocked out. So if you're curious, you should definitely, definitely give us a shout. What's one of the most interesting ways you've ever had to poach a candidate? I'm curious. If you um, yeah, sure. Well, um, I think a lot of times people want intrigue, just curiosity. So like, uh, you know, like I've left voicemails to say like, hey, Blake, listen, you and I haven't spoken before, but I just uh, had a meeting with a, a VP of engineering uh, for a company in your niche. You, I'm sure you know exactly who this company is. And your name came up in that meeting specifically for a a stealth mode project that they're working on. They really are looking for someone exactly with your skill set. And listen, um, this VP asked me to reach out to you uh, to see if you might be even open to exploring the opportunity. Um, and if, if you do want to jump on a, a quick, I don't know, five-minute call, I'd be happy to tell you exactly who the company is, what this stealth project is, exactly what they're looking to pay. And I, you know, I think some people uh, may think this role is stronger than the one you're currently in. But anyways, not sure if this would even interest you, but if so, you know, be happy to just fill you in on the details. Like, thanks, bye. And maybe we do wow. that in a video form too, right? Man. And that has enough like intrigue baked in that are like, yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and so, um, yeah, you do stuff like that, right?
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, I just love, uh, you know, the ability to constantly figure out new ways to get in front of some of these, uh, some of these candidates out there. And, and I think that, you know, sales and recruiting is, is shifting a little bit in that, uh, you know, the same, the same, uh, old tricks just don't quite, uh, not the, not tricks per se, but, you know, traditional sales has just changed quite a bit. There's a lot more subtlety and nuance in the way that we, uh, communicate with each other. And, uh, you've got to really get a good hook in. To <laughs> well, I think that's the thing, like, uh, with recruiting, I think with uh, even other, um, entrepreneurial ventures too, is that like, I feel like, um, I'm always aware of opportunity costs, right? Meaning like if I'm, if I have a call, like if I'm even, even able to get the call or not even get the call, if I reach out to a potential client, let's say, and this is like a hiring manager, I only have one chance to make a good first impression. Sure. And if, if my messaging isn't dialed in, my web, my LinkedIn is not optimized. The website is not dialed in. There's a chance that they might be like, they might not respond. They might be say, thanks, no thanks. And then let's say, you know, uh, months later, I finally t- figure it out. It's hard to reach back out to reopen that door because you can see on LinkedIn, like the, the previous message, they already said no thanks. So once that door closes, it is very hard to re- reopen that door, re-engage with them. So um, I find that it's best is to like do it the right way the first time. And I, from personal experience, I burned through so many potential awesome clients because I just was doing trial and error. So that's why like, it's nice, you know, people told me, hey, John, we really like that you offer the easy button. Just like they can fee- sleep better at night knowing that they're not, you know, winging it and burning through what could be. Because in recruiting, like each client might not just be one client, one hire, one placement, one 20K deal. And that's it. You never know which company is going to be your like top client. It can be your key account that gives you repeat business every every month because they love you. They keep, they're always hiring, they're growing, and they and they end up becoming like multi-six-figure revenue generating opportunities you never know so i always treat every call with a client like this could be 10 hires over two years that i'm, I'm gonna be making with him so um yeah so that's why I, I'm, I'm always so particular about like just getting everything dialed in maybe that's why you, when you ask me hey like why are you so curious about iterating like everything so much because you never know who you're gonna make a hundred thousand dollars from right and so yeah. I, I always want yeah. to have my best foot forward no that's that's absolutely true so you know, as, as somebody that's, uh, you know, obviously running a thriving, uh, incredible business, how do you draw the line between um, working on the business and working in the business? And mm. do you have any advice whenever for some uh, you know, client? Just- I, yeah, I, I do. So, so um, recently I've had a big um, focus on, um, yeah, removing myself from the weeds of the business and I didn't know how to do it. So I actually... No, I'm big on hiring coaches. So I hired a coach specifically. Um, his program is called The Replaceable Founder. And mm-hmm. I just not to replace yourself and like leave the business, but replace yourself from a lot of day-to-days so you can focus on like the one or two things that really are in your like zone of genius, right? Yeah. And so I hired a coach. His name was Ari to help me. And he taught me a framework called um, OAO, right? OAO. And O is a optimize, automate, outsource, right? Uh, uh, optimize automate out so because so first of all john you want i want you guys i had to optimize everything and like i recorded videos of me doing everything once i optimized it because before you optimize optimize something if you try to scale it or automate it it could break and you're just optimizing things that are suboptimal yeah. right it makes sense but i think people jump to automation too fast so before you jump to automation just kind of dial in the process once i dial everything in 
uh, had SOPs that are written, then I um, use automation. And then, um, and once I, then once automation was maxed out, then I outsourced the people to kind of run the automation, right? But specifically, I think this might be more interesting for people is that like, um, my baby, so I, my, my 16 year old, 16 month, month old son back when he was a baby was really the driving catalyst. Yeah. Thank you. So what happened? So, you know, it's funny without the baby, I probably would have been content with just doing everything myself. Sure. Cause I felt I was, I was a control freak. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, I feel like no one could do as, as well as me. It has to be me. People want to talk to me. And, and then when my wife says, Hey, so listen, you know, we're pregnant. So, uh, when the baby comes or yeah, I'm going to take a maternity leave for six months. So you're going to have to pay all the bills by the way. Right. It's, it's unpaid. So I'm like, okay, time to grow the business. And that drove me to like, start hiring people because I mean, all right, I need more, more of this, more help, right. To, to, to really grow the business. And so without that, I probably wouldn't have that urgency. And then when the, um, uh, his name is river, when river came around, she was like, Hey, now that, um, he, Oh, right. When the baby came, I had this fear, this fear of like her saying, Hey, last night I couldn't get any sleep. I really need, I really need your help today with the baby. And for yeah. me, I had this fear of responding to her sorry, I can't, I have eight back-to-back calls and meetings. Right. So I'm like, like, yeah, then the same thing. I'm like, okay, I can't, that cannot happen. Like I I absolutely, I need to be, how do I free up my time? So then, then I hired this coach to scale. So then it started with me hiring someone to take over marketing and hiring someone to take over operations and, and someone to take over, um, enrollment calls. Right. And then I'm like, oh, that this is cool. And then now, of course, now that the baby's here, she goes to work and the baby's going like, mama, 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 like crying. And she's like literally shedding a tear. She closes the door to like go to work. She's uh-huh. like, I-, I wish I could stay home more. I'm like, okay, time to like grow, to grow to the next level, right? And so it's because of um, family stuff that drove me to really like, and of course, as a result, things have grown and scaled up, but probably not because, same, kind of like the same thing with me, um, it took me getting laid off and the external push to like yeah. do something better, do something uh, greater. It was because, so she and the baby were my push to like scale things up. Not because I wanted to scale into a huge, huge business, but because I just couldn't be, I, I, I didn't, I wanted to be more available. Right. And, and yeah. have the resources for her. So that was kind of my, like, yeah, over the last year and a half, we really pushed hard for that. Yeah. Well, sometimes whenever you feel like you might be, um, backed into a corner or having to navigate a scenario. It's funny because it's like, well, that actually just gave me a wider view of everything, you know, by being, (laughs) by being tucked away, I get to, I get to see kind of the big picture a little bit better. Also, you know, whenever you start hiring for uh, things like that, it gets kind of addictive. You know, once you start, (laughs) once you start uh, bringing in these experts and you see it working. um, Yeah. What was it? Well, I do like to, to preface, it's so important, like you said, to make sure that uh, your your processes are set in place. You have your mm-hmm. SOPs like locked in, or else yeah. you are just hiring people and then setting them up to fail. I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's something that uh, you know I've seen happen all the time. So, how did you kind of lay the groundwork to uh, make sure that these people were ready to rock? And um, you know, yeah. Well, so for me, it was a big challenge because a lot of people I hired were for jobs that I didn't really quite know how to do like marketing and um, client support and tracking the client journey, like things I'm like, I've never quite exactly did that at a high level. So, you know, for me as a recruiter, I value other recruiters. So I just hired recruiting agencies that specialize in those things and just 
So every, most, mostly everyone I hired, I paid for. So I hired a HEC to find me, you know, uh, enrollment people or specialists on the phone. So like, that's all they do. So they got me great people with their SOPs for, you know, how they do their things. And then um, I hired, uh, and then you know, one of my more recent hires was a client success manager because I started seeing like, you know, we first started doing this group calls with me. And then the, as the group got bigger, you know, I think quality kind of dropped. Right? Like, oh shoot, now it's like people have to wait longer on the group call to like yeah. ask their questions. So I'm like, this is not good. So that that led me to hire more coaches. So now we have daily coaching calls, each call with a specialist for a specific topic, right? Um, and then and they're very good because I'm very lucky. They're all alumni of the program too, right? So they they know um, everything about it. And then uh, then at that point, like, so we had daily coaching calls, but people were still like needing more support. So I'm like, you know what? People need one on one support. So I hired a a client success manager to give one-on-one support for every like, accountability buddy that could support them one-on-one, especially for things that they didn't want to bring up in the group environment, perhaps, right. Or couldn't make the group call. Uh, but I saw a higher firm that only does customer, customer support people. And they had their, and they brought their SOPs for like tracking a client journey and benchmarks yeah. and anticipating common sticking points and how to like get ahead of that. I'm like, that's great. So I think because I pray, you know, same thing I paid, a premium and I got premium people who sure. brought along with them SOPs already that they were able to give me because at this point I was hiring for roles that were above my, you know, like level of expertise, right? Above my like area of yeah. expertise. Well, a lot of times what you're paying for is the the execution is obviously crucial, but I mean you're paying for the playbook too, right? Which is yep. like, yeah. man, how are you gonna how are you gonna actually do this? Um and, uh, and, and make those, make those strides. So, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I think that, I think that, uh, I, I don't know, it's just, it just gets me pumped up hearing it. anybody's story like yours, where you've, uh, you know, not only, uh, built a successful business, but you went out on your own twice and, uh, and made it happen. What would, what's been your relationship with, um, I don't know, just, just failure throughout the years. And how do you kind of navigate that stuff? Because that's always a big topic. I know mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I try to share with my listeners and, uh, yeah, I'd love yeah. to hear your perspective on that. Oh yeah. Like, um, it's always a struggle. Like I think, um, yeah, I read somewhere that like entrepreneurs are this kind of weird breed. I was explaining to my wife, cause she's a nurse. She's very like straight arrow, very risk averse, very stable. And I'm the, you know, entrepreneurs are the opposite, right? We're just very kind of wild yeah. and, uh, and, you know, risk takers. And I, I told her like, yeah, like I think, the key ingredients of a successful entrepreneur is one, they like are, are very confident to a degree, right? Um, and they have a vision. Two, they're also like kind of insecure to a degree where they feel like they can always do better. So they're always like constantly striving for more. And three is that they're able to tolerate a high level of pain <laughs> and rejection for a long period of time. Yeah. And um, so I think, and I just happen to kind of like, yeah, like have those three things. So I think that's what... Um, Help fuel me, but I think really like going back to the, I think the family part of it was a big thing because yeah now it's like okay before if I failed and I was always scrappy and I failed in a lot of different things I can always pick myself up it was just me all right I'm mean, okay I can eat like fast food for a month and just really tighten the belt and I can pick myself back up right yeah. or rack up some credit cards who cares but now that I'm responsible for a family I'm like okay like I can't fail like in, in that degree so like you know so it really like um makes me make better make better decisions but i think also like um having like my wife as a support like helps me to like 
protect me for myself, right? Where I'm like, okay, normally I would swing for the fences here, take this gamble, but now I'm like, you know what? Let me just be a little more, uh, apply some wisdom to things. So that's helped me kind of balance things out. So I think balance is what's helped me a lot. Lately. For sure. And it sounds like you found your why along the way too, right? And, and yeah. uh, you know, I think that's something that everybody, you know, spending time, uh, you know, writing and reflecting and being able to, to lock into uh, your mission and why you do what you do is just, uh, I mean, it's just an essential kind of driving force. And, you know, from, from my perspective anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's always, and it's funny, like, I think the sad thing is kind of like, even as people kind of like progress and level up, there's always like the next level. So it can be this like, you know, like Sisyphus, right? You can roll in this. I was just thinking hill. Sisyphus. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, but it, it's also me, like maybe the journey, right. Of entrepreneurship. Like it's the nice thing is that you just play the game to play the game, right. Cause you enjoy it. But yeah, but for me, I think one of the things that's always um, inspiring for me is like trying to be uh, like, I love being in the room where like, I'm like the smallest fish in, in, in the, you know, in the pond, right. It's people for me to learn from and get value from and get inspiration from. So uh, for the so earliest year, I signed up for this mastermind. Uh, of some of the best, um, you know, people in the online coaching space and the program, the mastermind was $68,000 for the year. And I'm like, that's like an astronomical amount. But, you know, I'm like, you know what, this is like YOLO, let's go for it. I for feel sure. like, and then like, what happens is when you, and, you know, when you invest to be in and to learn from people and be in a group of other people who invested that much, all of a sudden, everyone you talk to is like super high level. They're sharp. And then when they start referring you to their network, like, oh, hey, talk, you should meet this person. Or I use this person to help me with this. And so a lot of my growth recently was being connected to people from that specific network at the mastermind. Because So I think one thing that I've learned over the years is to always try to level up the group that, you know, like where I hang out. So in the beginning, you know, like I would hang out free Facebook groups to be like, try to Frankenstein little pieces and tips or watch YouTube you know, videos, right? Then eventually like, I started getting to paid groups and that was like better quality content. So I think you get what you pay for in terms of like value from content, from education. And, and as I started paying for more and more expensive groups and masterminds and programs, I got better and better advice, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, just recently I, I was working with a guy named Joel Irway. He, um, uh, he's famous for running like webinars and he ran like Alex Hermosi's like he, he, he did gym launch, right? That, that was his. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. He did all that. Right. And so, yeah. um, so I paid him $6,000 to help me write one webinar, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I and then normally I'd be like, that's a ridiculous. I mean, I could, there's free content out there on how to do a webinar. You can go on YouTube. There's endless videos on how to do a webinar. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know what? But this guy did Alex Hormozis and that guy's pretty successful. So why not? And then another um, friend of mine, his name is Boyd Clewis from um, the Mastermind. He goes, yeah, I hired Joel and he wrote me a webinar. And I hired this uh, agency who I also hired. And they, they, they ran traffic to it. And we did that in 2020. We made $30 million. So I'm like okay, um, can you introduce me to both the guys, both those people, the agency and the webinar guy? And so he did. I'm just, so I'm just copying his playbook. So like, even though the, it's funny, it's like a weird like chain of command or like weird spectrum where like the people in my program, they're copying my playbook from running a recruiting business, but I'm in the mastermind copying other people's playbook for high level market that I've I have no idea how to do. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to copy this guy that made 30 million because he hired Joel and he hired his agency to run marketing. So 
Yeah. So that's all I'm doing. So I never really claim to be like the most innovative. So I just like to copy people who have already cracked the code. Um, and then, so that's, that's my strategy for this year. So just copy people who are so much far ahead of me. That's, I mean, that's such great advice. And it's also so important to have that kind of abundance mindset, right? Uh, look, it yeah. can seem daunting. Uh, I, I mean, I, yeah, when you see the price tag of, uh, some of these courses, but I mean, you're absolutely right. And, uh, I, I, I feel like you gotta, you gotta think, you know, these, if, if you know about some of the people that are associated with these, they don't want to see people fail whenever they join something like this, they're going to yeah. do whatever they can to make sure that you're getting to that next level. Right. And, uh, you mm -hmm. get that kind yeah. of, uh, you know, return from the experience. Well, it's funny enough, like I, uh, in the last, I think a year ago ish or something, um, I thought to myself, you know what, like a lot of people are kind of just coming in, like really in their own way, like their fear was the obstacle they couldn't get around about like just giving a shot for themselves. Like they've been thinking about starting a business. They want to do recruiting because they either have recruiting experience or they understand that recruiting is just a people. You're just basically playing career matchmaker, matching people with jobs. Right. And so they, and they like it and, or they don't want, they want to get to a business that's time tested. That's not like a random fly by night. Like it'll be around forever. Like they want something that's really stable, but they just won't pull the trigger. Like no matter what, they just like something's holding them back. So I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to do something crazy. I'm, like, I'm just going to offer a money back guarantee to everybody. Same thing. Like, I'm like, you know, it works for that one guy. And yeah. so then I said, look, all right, if you follow the process, follow the playbook, and you don't make at least one deal, typically each deal is worth 20K, right? If you don't make a deal, you don't make an ROI, we'll give you your money back. Like, I'll just do that just because I, I think, yeah. I, think I, got, I just got sick of people like, um, <laughs> who, like, who basically were getting in their own way. And like, I couldn't help them around that despite mm -hmm. my best, despite all the case studies. I'm like, all right, like they're still afraid. And it's, it's natural. It's normal to be afraid. So I'm like, okay, would it help if I just gave you your money back if it didn't work? Like, sure. That, and so, and then of course they got results and like, it was great. And so, so that's one thing that we just threw out there and it, like, nobody else does that, but um, I don't know. I just figured why not? Like people should stand behind their stuff and if people, you know, invested in us and uh, follow exactly what I said and they don't get results and that's my fault. Right. Like, I think that yeah. uh, it kind of comes back to that. That's, that's on me and they shouldn't have to pay if they did everything I, I asked them and they didn't get a result. Right. Um, so nah. that's, but, but we, we don't say that in our ads because then apparently that attracts like, the people who are already like thinking of that, right? Like, you know, you don't want people going to something like with one foot out the door, like one foot yeah. in, one foot out. But, you know, we, we, we talk about it as well. So that's something to absolutely, yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't want to attract people that would uh, potentially be like, well, I'm just going to pop my yeah. head in for a little while and see what I can, uh, see what I can do and then get my money back and be on my way, you know, but, but I mean, that's the thing. You, you gotta, you gotta put some skin in the game so that people are like, all right, look, that's respectable. Uh, they're accountable to, to my success. Um, and, uh, you know, the funny thing is I feel like it would probably have the opposite effect of, you know, actually a higher retention and, and really, uh, fast tracking, uh, trust with the client, you know, by, by being like, look, we're, we're in this together. Like yep. you're not yep. getting there, then I'm not getting there. You know, <laughs> exactly. And, and the thing is like with, and it also, that's how the industry works in recruiting where, you know, that's why recruiters, when we tell our clients, like, Hey, or prospective clients, Hey, if, if, you know, there's no fee up front, there's no obligation to work with me. Right. There's no obligation to even uh, interview. You can even interview my candidates and there's no, 
obligation. Only if you come as a candidate you absolutely love that's significantly stronger than anyone else that you're interviewing and you end up hiring them, will there be a one-time like performance, you know, recruiting fee, right? And that's it. And, 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 we, and we guarantee the candidate, you know, for 90 days too. If anything ever happens, like we take care of that. So yeah, that, that's why I offer the money back guarantee because as a recruiter, I always offered a 90-day guarantee. Like if anything happens, if the candidate quits, you fire them within 90 days, I'll give you your, the money back. And so we always back up our candidates. I'm like, why don't I back up my program the same way I back up my candidates? But I think people are afraid to do that or uh, I don't know. I just, uh, and it hasn't been an issue. We have very few because people who, because we make, we give a condition, you have to just follow the, the, the process. So either people follow it and get results or they don't follow it and they don't qualify. So we really put on them and we support them and encourage them, but it's all at the end of the day, they have to take accountability for doing their part too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so John, I know that you've got 4.0 launching soon. What else is, is, is on the horizon for you? And um, where should people kind of check you out and, uh, and stay in the loop on, on what you're doing in your mission right now? Yeah, I think right now um, we, we really are um, pivoting from initially we we're just helping recruiters because I'm a recruiter and I feel like that's the only people I could talk to. And I, I actually thought I was biased. I thought that most of the people that we work with were recruiters until the marketing agency that I hired was like, well, let's just see what the data says. And sure enough, we found that most of the people we work with are not recruiters. So now we're kind of pivoting from like how to start your own recruiting business to like, hey, how to become a freelance recruiter. Right, even if you have no experience in recruiting or degree or anything like that, and how and you can do this part time on the side, and you can make these twenty thousand dollars recruiting fees, typically within ninety days or less. Right, like that's the promise. And so, yeah. And so for people who are maybe curious about that, we have tons of free training on our, our website, uh, recruitingaccelerator.com. So it's a uh, recruitingaccelerator.com, or you can find me uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not a hard person to find, and be happy to answer questions. Amazing. Well, John, thank you again for joining the show. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, getting to know you a little bit better. And all of these insights are uh, incredible. I, I, I know everybody's taking notes uh, as they've been listening to this. So, no, Thanks for having me. This has been really fun. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Um, everybody keep up with John. We'll include the information in the bio. Uh, until next time, this has been the Gym Series. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Gem Series, where we're always here to share the goals, execution, and mindset of thought leaders around the world. If you're listening to this, I'm sure that you have some pretty big goals for yourself, and I would absolutely love to hear them. Actually, here at Rocket Level, we just launched our newest partnership program, where the goal is to, uh, well, build a relationship with you guys. I want to talk with all of you coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. This program is going to be providing free sales and marketing training, giving you access to a massive network of small businesses, and even paying you to allow us to handle the fulfillment side of things. Over the last 20 years, uh, we've been able to learn a lot about how to handle digital marketing for a you know small business. And frankly, we want to pass that along. After working with business coaches and consultants all over the world, we decided let's make it formal. Let's make this thing happen. So if you're at all curious, check out the links attached and please reach out directly. I would love to meet you all. Remember, I'm always a email, text, phone call, or DM away. Everybody, remember to be awesome and do awesome things. A whole lot more coming soon. Take care.